The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Variety Channel. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericavariety.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the hosts or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Save our wildlife, save the environment, save our world. It all starts with a little knowledge. Welcome to Our Wild World with L.A. Weiss. There is so much that's being done and can be done with help from specialists and marginalized community groups to you. We'll discuss the future of Africa, the wildlife, and the people, and show you how it affects the entire planet. Now, here is Ellie Weiss from the Wild Eyes Foundation. Welcome to Our Wild World. In December 2013, on our program, What Do Students, Sports, and Tigers Have in Common?, we had Sean Carnell and Dr. David Tonkin as our guests, and we learned about a group of concerned students with an affinity for tigers who attend tiger mascot schools and who came together and formed the National Tigers for Tigers Coalition. In January, just after we had that conversation in 2014, T4T took their passion and skills on the road to India. The T4T students have returned to the U.S. more motivated and determined than ever to save the tiger and promote tiger conservation and awareness at those institutions that have tigers as mascots. And today we have trip leader Sean Carnell coming back with us and one of the students from that trip, Chelsea Connor, joining us to share their experiences of a lifetime. And we'll learn about the difference between tigers as mascots in the academic arena to saving tigers and tiger conservation on the ground. Welcome back, Sean, and welcome, Chelsea. Thank you for having us. Thank you. I'm thrilled to have you here. So we have a a bunch to get into today. So let's start with, um, how about, uh, Chelsea, were you in India before? Uh, Nope. It was my first time to India. Wow. And Sean, you have been to India before? Yeah, I went two years ago, back in 2011. So that was your first trip two years ago? Yes. So let's get into some of these initial thoughts. Uh, Sean, what, what were your initial thoughts when you went to India two years ago? And how were your expectations geared toward this trip and being trip leader, which is very different than being just one of the uh, team? Yeah, uh, it was absolutely incredible experience. The first moment when you see a real tiger in the wild, it's, it's absolutely incredible. Um, it, it, it's a majestic animal. It has this absolute beautiful presence um, in the forest. But India isn't just about its tigers. The rich culture and diversity that you see there is just incredible because everyone is so diverse. Everyone is so expressive. And the food is – I love the food. I'm a big food guy. so It's very different than our um, Indian food here. Yeah. Absolutely. So, um, Chelsea, what was it like? How did um, your experience of gearing up to go to India – match up with uh, your expectations of being in India? 
Well, for me, it was it was very different. Um, I actually didn't know very much about India. I had taken a Buddhism class, actually, the previous semester, so I knew a little bit of the culture that India has had, and so I was expecting just lots of life, which I actually did get to see, um, but you know, being there was very different because, you know, you can see a lot of the poverty, which um, I wasn't really expecting as much. It's very different than what we see on, let's say, uh, a natural history, wildlife programming to cultural program. excuse me, cultural programming. Uh, a lot of people have a very hard time with uh, masses of people. Did you find that difficult when you were in the cities versus uh, out in the parks? Yes, um, it was very, very full. When you walked in the streets, you were constantly brushing up against people. And then um, when you went to the parks, it was definitely much more dispersed and um, much more open to the air and the wilderness. So how far out of your comfort zones did you find yourselves, Sean? For me, uh, the first time I was there, it was, it was, uh, the first time I was in a third world country. So that was very different, seeing the difference in and what I take for granted here in the United States and what others, you know, necessarily don't have. So you really develop appreciation for what you do have here in the United States and really not to take things for granted. And do you really think there is such a thing as a third world country anymore? Wouldn't we rather, or maybe it's more emerging nations? I mean, yeah. In terms of I, the population of India and China, this is making a huge impact. Yeah, absolutely. I, I think I might want to rephrase it. I, I think third world country is the wrong way to phrase it. They definitely are emerging leaders um, in this world, and there's a lot of potential growth, too. So I, I definitely uh, like to retract that. So, I'm not trying to put you on the spot here. It's just yeah. a lot of people talk about developing worlds and third mm-hmm. world nations. And here we are in the 2000s, the second almost halfway, a quarter of a way through this century, and things have changed a lot in the past 50 years. So what what were some of the major differences that had an impact in terms of lifestyle? And let's stick to the urban areas right now of your trip to, to India. I understand you had some uh, a three-day cultural awareness program. How did that work? Yeah, I'll, I'll take that one, Charles. Um, so we actually did, we've been working with an organization called Tiger Trust for the, the past 10 years now. And they have this wonderful program called Save the Roar. Um, by which they bring elementary school, I mean, high school students together um, under one roof to sort of talk about conservation issues in general and also how to improve the local environment and get engaged into the local communities. And so we participated in this three-day program in a lot of cultural things with dances, and uh, um, we even learned a little bit of Hindi throughout that experience. Um, so that was, that's what that was all So the, this, this um, education, these classes take place where? Uh, in... In, in uh, Rontenborg. We actually stayed in a hotel outside of Rontenborg National Park, and so we just rented out uh, a place within the hotel there. I am so, so glad you that. said that word and it pronounced it for me because I don't think I can today. And what was the other park you visited? Banlovgar. Okay. I don't think I could pronounce either one of those. If you asked me a Swahili word, I'd have no trouble. But <laughs> India, I have a little trouble. So, Chelsea, um, tell us about your experiences with this cultural awareness program and some of the, some of the things that you did. Uh, cultural awareness is sort of a catchphrase for a lot of things. What actually happened? What transpired? Um, well, during the uh, program, we um, did some informal introductions and um, 
had our own presentations. So uh, we talked about what's happening in the U.S., and then the Indian kids talked about what was happening in India. Um, and it was really great to hear from both sides. Um, we even had a, a group discussion at the end um, to kind of break out into groups and discuss, you know, what can we do as students to help this, this problem? How can we get awareness out? Um, and it was really great to see all the kids very, very enthusiastic. They were so excited, and it made me even more excited. So it was really great to see them um, really wanting to make a difference in the world. Okay, so let's back up a little second. You said talking about things in India and things in U.S. What I'm, I'm going to assume here and presume that this was focused on tigers, or did it include more in terms of cultural uh, differences and uh, attitudes towards wildlife and attitudes towards tigers? Um, yeah, it was definitely um, about tigers, but um, we... What we would talk about is how in the U.S. Um, we have a lot of captive tigers and how um, we need to explain to people in, in the U.S. that this is not how they should naturally be. And then the Indian kids would explain to us that, yes, they have their cultural differences and they have sort of different priorities over there. Um, and so they were explaining how it's difficult to get awareness out for them to the local people um, and then um, to also... Uh, go off to talk about you know glo global change and other factors that are um, encroaching upon the tiger's habitat. So let's back up one little bit. Sean, why don't you tell us the basic premise where we're talking about these experiences and working with tiger conservation on the ground in India. So Sean, give us just a little background about T4T and because um, I know and on the last show we talked about how you work with students from institutions that have tiger mascots, which is one very distinct aspect, to actual tiger conservation on the ground in India where there's wild populations. And then I believe you also work with, as Chelsea just mentioned, tiger sanctuary in captivity. Give us a little more information about that. Yeah. Um, so at Tigers for Tigers, the purpose of Tiger Tigers is we have an affinity for a mascot. If you go to any tiger mascot school across the country, the students are absolutely thrilled around our mascot. It's because it's our legacy, it's our history. And so what Tiger Tigers is, Tigers for Tigers is doing is unifying this affinity that we have towards active change for tigers and realizing the fact that if we mobilize students together, not just students, but faculty, staff, and alumni, and fans of tiger mascot schools to actually make a difference for tiger conservation, um, we can really be impactful there. Um, and we're looking this, at this as sort of a couple variety of different approaches, focusing on the students because we, we are the future. And as, as in college, it's an opportunity to um, engage students to build their experiences and to provide them resources to excel once they get out into the real world. Um, and in order to make a difference, we're looking at the approach of addressing uh, a couple of the issues with tigers in the wild and also addressing uh, the issues here that we face in the United States with tigers in captivity. And the India trip offers an opportunity uh, for students to actually see what's going on the ground and coming back and saying what we can do to make a difference. And as Chelsea said, finding that there are very diverse cultural attitudes. So, um, Chelsea, you had mentioned you talked about captive tigers here in the U.S. What was the um, general Indian perception of such a thing? 
Um, you mean in terms of having a tiger, a captive tiger? It's such a large captive tiger population in the U.S. There's what, probably more than, there's what, I think 3,200 tigers left in the wild in India, not including mm-hmm. Russia, I'm not sure. And there's more like 35,000 tigers captive and for sale and available here in the U.S. What did Indians think, India Indians think of such a thing? Um, well, the reactions about us explaining um, our problems in the U.S. Um, were pretty shocked, I would say. They, uh, they didn't quite know that we had, you know, a, a bunch more tigers captive than we do in the wild. And so, you know, there was a lot of question like, well, why would you keep a large cat in a cage? You know, why, why do that? And so there was a lot of why um, questions coming from them. Um, and how did so, you address that, Sean, well, and, Sean and Chelsea? How did you address that? So I mean, way, keeping sorry. a big cat for a pet here is sort of an ego-oriented thing. I'm not talking about zoos and entertainment, but those people who keep cats as um, a pet. Uh, I can imagine, as you just said, they were shocked. So how did you deal with that? How did you explain it? Well, um, it's easy to explain it through a story, and we had told a story about how uh, people in the U.S., it's easy for them to get a large cat in some states than it is to get a dog. And so we would explain that some people would um, have a baby cub tiger because it's really cute and fluffy and adorable, and we would, um, you know, they would like to keep it, and they would like to make money off of it, and then pretty soon it gets too big, and the owner doesn't have the um, money to take care of it anymore or the resources. And so then it leads to um, not such a great thing for the tiger. It could not um, have enough food. It could not have enough room to roam. And so, uh, you know, we tried to explain that this is why it's not good to have an animal in your backyard. So, Sean... um how did you how do you work in explaining to uh the local citizens there would they ever keep a tiger as a pet versus some of the sanctuaries that we've protected areas versus natural parks um I understand those exist but tigers as pets uh no I don't believe so um I think the perceptions are very very different cuz depending on like particularly around the surrounding communities within the parks um, the tiger is sort of as, as is known to be as a feared animal or as a pest because um, lots of times now frequently tigers are leaving the parks in order searching for food um, and it's causing a variety of, uh, of human wildlife conflicts in terms of revenge killings and that sort of thing. So the perception of what we see as a pet is very di- as a tiger, seeing a tiger as a pet in the United States is extremely different to what uh, the views are in India of, of tigers within the surrounding communities because um, it's a very different reality. That's a very good thing to hear, and that's what our listeners need to also understand, in that here in the U.S., keeping exotics as pets and the industry of this is really interfering with tiger conservation and the the concept of animal rights and animal welfare versus large landscape species conservation. Sean, you had just said that tigers go outside the parks. These parks are not fenced, I'm assuming. So having a wild animal, a dangerous animal, a predator or carnivore of that size wandering in out of your neighborhood probably poses a lot of problems. Um, in, in, in 
in India. Is there a big problem with killing tigers illegally or poaching tigers in these areas? Absolutely. Poaching is, is one of the largest issues that we face in dealing with tigers um, because the, the black market and the demand in the U.S. and China is so huge. But um, the other concern is this idea of human-animal conflict. Ellie, like you just mentioned, um, within India, uh, there's these national parks where tigers are, are usually contained. And tigers, as we know, um, need extremely large uh, home ranges in order to expand, in order to establish their territories as they are solitary animals. Um, so a lot of these tigers are being pushed out of what are being defined as these national parks or areas um, in search of food because the prey population is also very low. So these tigers are now starting to exit out of these what are defined as parks and going into the local communities and looking for food. And as a result, sadly, um, some individuals are being injured or killed and, and cattle are also being taken um, from the local communities as these tigers are searching for food and establishing territory. So the human-wildlife conflict is also very, very prominent in this issue of facing tiger conservation. Well, we've, we're facing the same issues here in the U.S. with our wildlife and human encroachment and limited space for wildlife to roam and find food, especially our carnivores and predatory animals. We're facing the same issues in Africa, and we understand some of the um, ways that we're trying to address this. How in India, you're working with a partner, Tiger Trust, that you mentioned earlier. How in India and with the Tiger Trust are you, are the programs and awareness and education taking place to either increase tiger habitat or decrease um, the fear of the tiger and engender saving the tiger on the ground in India when they do get out? How are, how are you working with T4T and Tiger Trust to um, change the perception? It all starts with, with I, I think what we're both really focused on within the Save the World program and also Tigers for Tigers is mobilizing the younger generation and building a political voice for action. So uh, our partner, Tiger Trust, um, has these very prominent and well-known educational awareness programs, like I said, to bring together local communities um, to talk about uh, some of these issues and, and raising a political voice and meeting with staff at the Forest Department and also raising those concerns directly, um, we can begin to have conversations and dialogue between the local communities and the Forest Department to make change. Okay, um, thank you. We're going to take a little short break right now. Stick with us. We're with Sean Carnell of Tigers for Tigers National Coalition and Chelsea Connor, uh, one of the students who recently went on this trip. So stick with us. We'll be right back. Save on your prescriptions with the RX Savings Plus Drug Discount Card offered by Voice America. It is not insurance and discounts are only available from participating pharmacies, but 9 out of 10 pharmacies participate nationwide. Start saving today. Print your free card online at voiceamerica.rxsavingsplus.com or text the word TALK RADIO to 96362. Wildlife. No wild, no life. Big. Scary. Beautiful. Predators are in danger. Without them, our rivers dry up. Our forests don't grow. Our communities go hungry. Our biodiversity crumbles. Wildlife drives our planet's ecosystems. The wild effect. It's in our hands. 
Ellie founded Wild Eyes Foundation because she loves Africa and to remind us that there are more harmonious and less destructive ways to live on our planet. She does this so we may be able to look inside ourselves and understand the deeper partnerships that connect us all and to take responsibility for our lives and our Earth. Africa is one of our last remaining wild places and the origins of humanity. It is irreplaceable. Africa is at a crossroads, on the brink of possibilities. We can choose to let its wildlife be lost forever, or we can help save it. In Africa, it is still possible to make a difference. Visit us at www.wildeyes.org to learn how you can make a difference. We only have one Earth. If we don't care, who will? W-I-L-D-I-Z-E dot O-R-G. Now you don't have to stay linked to your desktop or laptop. Take Voice America on the go and listen anywhere. Get our mobile app for iPhone, BlackBerry, or Android at the Apple iTunes App Store, BlackBerry App World, or Android Market. You're listening to Ellie Weiss and Our Wild World. We want to hear from you. Call into the program at 1-866-472-5788. That's 1-866-472-5788. If you'd rather send us an email, please send it to wildeyes at wildeyes.org. That's W-I-L-D-I-Z-E at W-I-L-D-I-Z-E dot O-R-G. Now, back to our wild world. Welcome back to Our Wild World and our guests, Sean Carnell and Chelsea Connor with Tigers for Tigers National Coalition, uh, a student consortium that is working to save tigers and save their mascot. You can find them on Twitter at hashtag save our mascot, mascot and also on Facebook to learn more about what they're doing and their website at t4tcoalition.org. So we were heading in before the break talking about uh, conservation efforts on the ground in India and that T4T takes um, trips to India with students from uh, the various universities. So uh, let's head a little bit more uh, about some of the insights that you gained visiting some of the historical sites and um, your experience on a safari. Uh, Chelsea, why don't, you, why don't you field that one? Yeah, sure. Um... Well, I guess we'll start with the safari. Um, right off the bat, it was way bumpier than I was expecting. <laughs> um, the roads are not very smooth over there, and for good reason. You know, we are in a national park, so we don't want to urbanize it too much. Um, but it was, it was great. You know, the wind was blowing. Um, you could see everything everywhere. Um, you could hear the birds. It was just, it was a great experience. Um, I really hope I get to do it again. Safari for the first time, safari goer, is an astonishing experience. And you mentioned the roads. I've had people who've come with me to Africa saying, and I've explained, you know, it's bumpy. There's roads. There's, there are no roads. It's dirt tracks. You know, be prepared. Um, and I've had people say, well, you know, I've, it was a lot bumpier than I thought because I thought you meant after we left the road. Here in our national parks, we have quite an intensive road system, which is not the same in other areas, whether it be India or Africa. So that is, you know, one thing that you could 
be sure to prepare future students with, you know, the expectations and what it's really like to travel there. How hot was it? Um, well, we went on two safaris. We went on one in the morning. So in the morning, we had to bundle up because it was very, very cold. And when you're driving in the Jeep, the wind is blowing and you are shivering. But um, then on our afternoon safari, it, uh, it warmed up and you started taking off coat. It was probably around 40 degrees Fahrenheit. I'm not sure. Um, but it was nice. You know, when the sun was out, it was, it was very lovely. So I'd like to hear from both of you. Sean, um, let's let Chelsea do this one first. What happened when you first saw a wild tiger? Okay, it, it was so mesmerizing. Um, when we pulled up in the Jeep, um, I had actually been filming. And um, I think I filmed for maybe a couple minutes. And then I just put it away. And I just looked at the tiger. And it was it was just incredible. He was sitting out like maybe a hundred feet from us. He was eating his meal. He had a deer right next to him and he was very relaxed, but I mean, knowing that he could, if he wanted to come eat me, if if he really wanted to, it, it really makes you realize how much of a wild animal he really is and how we cannot control him he you know it's just he has his own place in the world and it was just so so great to see i'm glad to hear you say that because it's a very different perspective we here in the u.s forget with a lot of our natural history programming and uh zoos that wildlife is wild and it's a very different experience when we enter their territory and as you'd said you know that fear that he could come and eat you what's an important thing to remember is that usually won't happen unless we provide the threat. And I'm really glad to hear you say that it was an incredible experience and that the tiger was calm and that his our human presence in this park didn't necessarily upset him. So they're rather habituated here. Is that correct, Sean? Yeah, yeah. They're, they're absolutely used to the Jeeps in the park. Um, but it, it's just an incredible experience to realize that they are wild and that they're not... Um, it, it's, uh, it's just a, an incredible presence to actually see them in their natural habitat. I'm also always amazed on safari when I'm wildlife viewing or photographing the the quiet, how quiet it is and how often um, we as tourists need to remember to shut our mouths, open our <laughs> eyes and open our ears and listen and watch what's happening in this ecosystem, you know, the the, the triggers and the cues. So how did you first know that the tiger was there was he just sitting there or were other wildlife and nature cues giving you a clue and your guide a clue that a tiger was nearby um well usually when you're in the jeep you do listen for um, a warning call that either a deer could give or a monkey could give um Usually they, they'll call and they'll start to run in a different direction. And so we listen for that. So you're right. We do have to be very quiet. Um, and then we, we try to catch up with them if we can. Um, but, you know, they say it's all about luck. You, you know, there's no guarantee that you're going to see a tiger. And um, the one that we had seen, um, actually, the previous, this was an afternoon drive that we had gone on. Um, but the previous group had saw them in the morning, so we knew he was already there. So for when I got to see him, um, they knew exactly where he was. Well, you were lucky. 
yeah. beginner's luck. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so um, tell us more about uh, Tiger Trust. They have a program that you that I learned about called Save the Roar. What is that about? Um, that program is about mobilizing students in the younger generation for active change and bringing together students from uh, high schools from different regions and, and connecting them for one cause to save the war, to save, to save tigers and to really preserve uh, the wildlife that India has. So this is a program that is active in India? Yes. Do you have any way with your program T4T, uh, how do you coordinate with Save the Roar? Absolutely. We are actually in, in talks right now of expanding that program, which is fantastic, and I'm glad you brought that up. Um, and because we're all about joining together and, and bringing students together, the younger generation, for change. So we're actually doing a, a really big awareness campaign coming up next week on the 26th um, to bring t- together students. We're going to have our mascot run around in high traffic areas to, uh, to raise awareness and raise a buzz on social media platforms um, about the tiger and really question the value of, of what are our what are our student bodies actually like do they care about the tiger let's begin the conversation let's talk about these issues and let's work together to make a difference so um, absolutely we're both coordinating these awareness programs together and hopefully we can build them together and and make them more effective as we so, get stronger so let me understand you've got a program that's happening here in the u.s where is that when is it and how can people participate yeah it is actually going to be next wednesday on February 26th, uh, a variety of our Tiger for Tigers clubs across the country are going to be participating on their own campuses. Um, whether or not they're going to have local fundraisers on that particular day um, or talking about tiger conservation within their own student, uh, student uh, union centers or um, participating in a tiger skit by which their mascot, somebody dressed up in their mascot costume, will generate a buzz on campus. Um, in order to participate, there's a variety of things that you can do. Uh, you can donate to Tigers for Tigers to help raise us cause by visiting our website. You can interact with us on Twitter at T4T underscore coalition, hashtag save our mascot, to ask us questions uh, about our mascot and why we care um, to really start building that conversation. And on your website at T4TCoalition.org, will um, our audience or interested people who are tiger lovers or conservationists, will they be able to find which campuses are having these events? Absolutely. Yep. We're going to have a, a map up there and it's awesome, really easy to navigate to say where these Tigers for Tigers clubs are um, across the country and how to interact and engage. Excellent. So on our last program, we, uh, with Dr. Tonkin and you and um, uh, the, the wife of the uh, Detroit Tigers team, uh, how on this India trip, let's try and find the bridge between the team players whose mascot is the tiger, and conservation in India. Are any of, let's call it the celebrities, how, how do you bring all this together at T4T? I think for us it all really starts with the affinity that you have for your mascot, whether you are a celebrity or an alumni of, of a tiger mascot school. And bridging that gap really just starts off with a conversation of, of what it really means to them and ensuring that the celebrities or uh, other members of the community, especially alumni and fans, can really know um, a couple of these issues. So in terms of bridging the gap, that's something that we're striving towards towards the future, uh, to work with celebrities or to work with uh, more within athletic uh, sports teams across the country uh, to generate more buzz about these issues. So how can other 
uh, academic institutions, are you only at the university level or, you know, other little, let's say, minor league uh, kids teams, can they also get involved if their team mascot is a tiger? Uh, yeah, there's a variety of ways to get involved. Um, right now, we're focused on building student organizations on college and university campuses, but there's a variety of ways that you can help uh, help generate awareness and help generate a buzz and be a part of our team. Um, and I think it all starts with our social media is one of our biggest uh, platforms in generating awareness. So interacting with us on there, raising funds um, for a tiger conservation organization, and making your community aware of these issues. That's excellent. It's incredible. Chelsea, um, give us a little bit more of your impressions. How long have you been uh, a member of T4T? Um, well, actually, um, I go to Towson University in Maryland, and um, we did not have um, a Tigers for Tigers club on our campus um, until last April when um, we had heard about this coalition um, or this newly formed coalition, and so we went to check it out. And a friend of mine brought it back, and so our club is very, very new. Um, we have about, uh, I guess, seven members right now, and so we're still focusing on getting members and really trying to spread awareness on our campus. Well, this is fascinating. I hadn't quite realized that you were a new club. So basically, you had visited um, a T4T coalition elsewhere, a club elsewhere, and started this up on your own. You brought this together at your your university. Yes. Yeah, so um, we had actually attended the first um, national summit. So And so we got to meet kids from all over uh all over with their uh with their tiger mascot schools so it was really great we got to see speakers and meet kids and really get involved it was very welcoming that's exciting so um both of you i'm gonna i'm addressing this question to both of you and then we've we're gonna take another break in a few minutes but what is your overall impression between the experience on the ground and on-the-ground conservation efforts, the reality of what's happening on the ground to tigers, and what's happening here when we talk about tiger conservation. Where did that clash for you, and what impression did it leave for you where work needs to happen? Sean, Um, why don't you take that one first? Yeah, feel free. Um, I, I really see we need to bring these issues closer to home. Um, you know, not everybody has an opportunity to go to India and see a tiger in the wild, but I think the conversation, like, our our generation, the younger generation is so much engaged online and on our phones, and we really lose this perception of nature in general, and I think a big thing is change, like, social change, and I'm really excited to see a lot of NGOs now um, starting to focus on that, of social change and and generating awareness and changing the perception that you know tigers are not uh, should not be used in traditional Chinese medicine they should not be used for as gifts or as uh, mementos of status you know and I think it really starts with on the ground and changing the perceptions and values of what wildlife is and I think that's I'm excited to see that's where I, from my impressions I see where the focus is going towards conservation which is which is very very exciting so I see that happening here a lot in the US that we are gaining ground um, on awareness raising of of wildlife and the loss of our species. How do you see, and Chelsea, I'm going to throw this one to you. How do you see that translating to the reality in India? Is it translating? 
is it a different um, message that you have to give? Where's where's the um, where's the differences and where's the similarities? Um, I am I'm actually not very sure. I mean, I know it all starts with like Sean said, just um, starting a conversation, and um, it's great that we have Tiger Trust in India who can relate. Our message, um, you know, we have the U.S. working towards conservation and India is working towards conservation. And so it's it's really nice to know that you have help on both sides and connecting and working together um, really will, will hopefully start making a change happen. Well, this is excellent. Um, we're we're going to cut away to a little break. Once again, we've got Sean Carnell, the National Coordinator for Tigers for Tigers uh, coalition and Chelsea Connor, one of the students who went on the recent uh, India trip in uh, January 2014. So stick with us. We have a little more to talk about. Actually, there's a lot to talk about, but we just don't have a whole lot more time. So we'll be right back after the break. out what's happening on the Voice America Talk Radio Network by keeping up with us on Twitter. You can find us at Voice America TRN. Wildlife. No wild, no life. Big, scary, beautiful. Predators are in danger. Without them, our rivers dry up. Our forests don't grow. Our communities go hungry. Our biodiversity crumbles. Wildlife drives our planet's ecosystems. The wild effect. It's in our hands. Ellie founded Wild Eyes Foundation because she loves Africa and to remind us that there are more harmonious and less destructive ways to live on our planet. She does this so we may be able to look inside ourselves and understand the deeper partnerships that connect us all and to take responsibility for our lives and our Earth. Africa is one of our last remaining wild places and the origins of humanity. It is irreplaceable. Africa is at a crossroads, on the brink of possibilities. We can choose to let its wildlife be lost forever, or we can help save it. In Africa, it is still possible to make a difference. Visit us at www.wildeyes.org to learn how you can make a difference. We only have one Earth. If we don't care, who will? W-I-L-D-I-Z-E dot O-R-G. The future of online TV is here. View exclusive content from your favorite talk radio hosts and new programs that you can't see anywhere else. Visit voiceamerica.tv today. You're listening to Ellie Weiss and Our Wild World. We want to hear from you. Call into the program at 1-866-472-5788. That's 1-866-472-5788. If you'd rather send us an email, please send it to wildeyes at wildeyes.org. That's W-I-L-D-I-Z-E at W-I-L-D-I-Z-E dot O-R-G. Now, back to our wild world. Welcome back to Our Wild World, and we're talking with Tigers for Tigers Coalition. Uh, Sean Carnell, the national coordinator, who was on Our Wild World back in December with uh, some background about how T4T got started and why. 
And we've also got Chelsea Connor, one of the students who went on uh, this recent India trip. So, Sean, tell us a bit more. Um, How often does T4T go to India? And um, a little bit more about the work that you do on the ground. So what I'm understanding is you'll have a variety of students, some who have been there before, some who haven't. And as trip leader, how does that work? Yeah. Um, Well, this all started uh, about 10 years ago at Clemson University. Um, We were in touch with Dr. the late Dr. Dr. Ron Tilson, um, who got us in touch with Ms. Anjana Gosain of Tiger Trust um, and and Pradeep Sangla, late Pradeep Sankala, who uh, directed Project Tiger for a while there. Um, And over the years, uh, Dr. Tonkin has been taking Clemson students uh, each year over spring break to see tigers in the wild and to come back and be motivated towards the cause. And after the National Coalition formed, we said, you know, this is an incredible opportunity. Uh, It really motivates students, and and it's really productive um, in terms of motivating for change. So we extended that out towards the National T4T Coalition, and this was our, our first trip this year of taking students from all the Tiger mascot schools across the country and working directly on the ground with Tiger Trust. Um, and one thing that we do to support Tiger Trust is fundraising. So we fundraise, um, a lot of the clubs fundraise for Tiger Trust, which is great, and that money goes directly into uh, these educational programs, but also to train uh, forest guards as well, too, um, directly on the ground. Well, that's a really important point that you just brought up. And you can donate to T4TCoalition.org with the understanding that the money is not necessarily going to help T4T do its thing, but T4T to do tiger conservation on the ground in India. So as I'm going to give this question to both of you, as trip leader, had you been a trip leader before, Sean? No, I haven't. It was definitely a learning experience for me. Um, you know, there's there's lots of things that y- you learn uh, as you go along, and, and uh, there's definitely it, it was extremely exciting to take that role this year. What was the hardest part? Uh, organizing it, I would say. Um, you know, we had some hiccups in terms of organizing it, but once we got there, it was smooth sailing. Um, we were with a guy 24 hours a day, very professional, extremely. Uh, well-spoken and very knowledgeable of the culture of India, too. And, and it's all organized through a company called Dynamic Tours. Um, and so our, our guide, Harenda, was absolutely fantastic and incredible. So once we were there, it was absolutely relaxing. So it was great. And, and what was your favorite experience, Sean? For me, it was just, you know, seeing the students come back and, and just be thrilled. I mean, I, everyone was so positive throughout the trip, and you could tell that they're, they're going to to come back motivated and we all got along very very well so that was really fantastic that's important how many people were on the trip all all together seven of us which was great well that's a manageable group but still you know in in a safari in a group like this um as we say uh the team is as strong as its weakest link (laughs) so chelsea what was uh the hardest thing for you and then to counterpoint that what was your favorite experience um, I think the hardest thing for me was understanding um, the, the people when they were talking because they have a very strong accent and um, I felt bad because I kept asking them to repeat themselves. Um, but it was great because, you know, it, it sort of loosened us up and laughed about it. So that was um, it was great. It was difficult, but it was it was a good learning experience. See, these, then- are, these are the things that we forget. Yes. Being, um, you know, go, traveling and usually traveling to places that speak the same language and have very similar cultures, wh- whether it be North America or Western culture or Europe, it's all very similar. So 
um, it's a good point that you brought up, the differences, that, and how do you make the best of that? Exactly. Um, and then my favorite parts, of course, I have many, and one of them is seeing the tiger. I think that will forever be ingrained in my life. It'll be the best story I have. Um, but another kind of humorous um, uh, point in the trip was we all got to go to see a Bollywood film at a theater, and um, it was great because we were watching the film, and the audience just was having a blast. They would they would hoot and they would holler and they would laugh, and it's just very different from our quiet theater to their very loud theater. So, oh, I added a whole new context for you, huh? Yeah, I thought that was great. <laughs> I'm sitting here trying not to laugh out loud. I've got a, 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 a grin going from ear to ear because we often watch Bollywood movies here on TV, and it's a whole different situation. What oh. movie did you watch? We saw Doom 3. Doom 3, was that yes. in, was it translated into the local language, or was it in English? Well, it was, it was all in Hindi. Um, <laughs> it did use a few English words, so we could keep up with the storyline. Um, but yeah, it was very, it was very interesting. <laughs> That's hysterical, because I've noticed the same thing in Africa. People <laughs> join in in this form of entertainment. It is not, <clears throat> excuse me, just mass entertainment where we go sit and watch and be entertained and take it home. Um, yeah. There it is. It truly is a group experience. That's a hoot. I'm so glad you shared that with us. <laughs> so um, what are T4T's plans for the future, Sean? Uh, future, We actually have an upcoming summit at the University of Missouri um, where we're going to bring together uh, Tigers for Tigers clubs from across the country and to learn from experts in the field, similar to what Chelsea mentioned earlier, which started off the National Coalition. So we're absolutely thrilled to have that. Um, University of Missouri T4T has been doing fantastic in terms of organizing it, um, which is great. Another thing that we're focusing on is is really just finding more effective ways to collaborate um, among the student groups across the country. Because, um, you know, we are all students, and, and I think that's one of the great excitements for it, too, but it also has its challenges. So um, working together and, and standing together and, and building our student organizations um, together is, is another great thing that we've been working on. So tell us what some of these challenges are. I think uh, a couple of the challenges are is uh, everyone's a student first, and I, and I recommend that to everybody. Um, and I think uh, balancing that, I think everyone has previous commitments, whether you have a job, whether you're in school, and Tigers for Tigers. Um, so in terms of, of working together, uh, it does present challenges in terms of not being in the same place at the same time. Um, but we're combating that with a variety of uh, new innovative things like establishing forums online or, uh, you know, uh, open source uh, uh, online resources like and use, utilizing Dropbox and other things like that um, to build upon those collaboration efforts. That's excellent. That's one way our modern technology can really work for us. As you said earlier, in days where we're actually more isolated from each other than we ever have been before in our uh, living memory and very connected virtually and virtual relationships. Uh, so it's a way technology does work for us. So in person-to-person -person relationships, did either of you come away with really long-lasting, I'm going to call it friendships or committed relationships with people that you met in India? Um, actually, yeah, I can, I can share that. Um, 
before we um, left the program, we all, um, the kids, you know, loved us and we loved them. And so we all exchanged our Facebook information. Um, we exchanged some numbers so we can communicate. Um, and so actually right now I, I just had a message from um, one of the students. And so, you know, we're talking back and forth and saying, how are you? You know, how are the Tigers? How are you doing? So it's really great. I think um, it was great to meet them because now we know them and they can learn about us more and vice versa. So here's a bit of a, a harsher question facing a harsher reality. Were any of the people in the communities that you met around the parks or in the urban areas when you visited some of the cultural sites, were any of them directly affected negatively with an encounter with a tiger? And how did they deal with that? I'm sure. Um, I, I believe there's, there are those stories around the communities, but we didn't actually meet directly um, with somebody who's been very closely affected. But those uh, are definitely present issues uh, that we do have, that we do, they have to face within the local community themselves to address them. Do you think that contributes negative uh, interaction with tigers? Did you meet or did you hear of any of the underground or black market tiger uh, processing, tiger farms? Uh, is India very involved in the black market tiger med- uh, for medicinals? Uh, I don't know in terms of the market because I believe a lot of demand, I can, I can only speak in the demand of, of China because I think China has a, a large demand for these parts. I mean, and I'm assuming, you know, the products are leaving India and going to the surrounding countries as well. But um, usually what happens is uh, larger crime syndicates come into these local communities and, and pay off a local villager to go within to these national parks within the, the non-tourist zones, track a tiger um, and extract them um, for parts and to sell them internationally. So um, that's, that's the issue there. So do you think um, the international wildlife trafficking cartels are operating as strongly in India as they would be in, let's say, Africa to supply these Asian markets? I don't know if I can speak that directly um, to fully answer that answer. I'd probably have to look more into the research. Um, But I would say both are are very extreme issues, and I think both we we need to address all that, whether it's elephants, rhinos, rhinos. uh, manta rays, tigers, you know, there's so much, pangolins, for example, you know, there's so much that we need to address. So yeah. so does your partner, T- Tiger Trust, uh, do a lot of work on that? Do they bring awareness to those issues? And either, I mean, today, wildlife has to pay for itself somehow. Right. We talk about the value of wildlife. Um, here in the West, we have the luxury of enjoying just the aesthetic value, but, um, how in India and with your partners there, do they incentivize saving tigers for their aesthetic value and their economic value in terms of tourism dollars? Yeah, absolutely. That uh, by, like I said, engaging those local communities and and sort of changing the perceptions. Uh, Tiger Trust actually recently got a new program that they're working on um, to uh, train local women uh, to be forest guards within the communities and to work within these tourist zones. So training women and bringing them into the community and educating them about the issues is, is a new, new unprecedented project that's going on in India, uh, which is fantastic. And also they do focus a lot on um, engaging poachers and ensuring that the forest guards and the forest departments are aware of how to prosecute these issues uh, to ensure that if anything does arise, they can address them properly. Well, that's fabulous to hear that women are being engaged as it's uh, sort of culturally unheard of. Uh, so it's it's almost leaving off half the population who could be supporting conservation when you leave out the um, one gender 
and especially the you know the, the um, organizer of the family, which is the woman's role in a community. So that's fabulous. Um, so we've got just a couple minutes until we need to close. Are are there any future trips planned for T4T? And what would you like our audience to take away today? Yeah, uh, we go to India every year, which is fantastic. Uh, we'll be going again next January, and hopefully we'll have more students engage with us and, and more represented schools, which is great. Uh, um, and what we'd like to share is, you know, if, if you're out there listening and a tiger is your mascot or another a very prominent wildlife figure cares animal is your mascot what does it mean to you and i think uh, what tigers for tigers does is it offers opportunities to engage people in conversation and to actually make a difference directly on the ground so um, if you're looking to get involved with us uh, find us online at t4tcoalition.org or interact with us on twitter at t4t underscore coalition hashtag save our mascot um, and we'd love to have you get involved with us uh, there's a variety of things that you can do um, whether it's engaging with local communities uh, donating directly to our partners or, or starting that conversation and interacting. So, Chelsea, as a, thank you, Sean. That was a wonderful answer. And I'm going to throw this to Chelsea for our, our close. Being a student, joining a T4T, starting a club, do you find that in the academic arena and talking about it here in the U.S. does translate to co- tiger conservation on the ground? Um, yeah, back at home, um, you know, just being a part of this whole organization, um, personally, I've, I've even opened my eyes even more. Um, you know, I thought I knew, th- knew some things when, you know, in fact, there was more to it. And so I think it's really important to ask questions and it's really important to not take anything for granted, whether, you know, it's your resources or, you know, you know, a zoo, you know, you have all these animals and it's just, it's really important to research and, um, really know, what you're contributing to. Um, so it's been great. And I, you know, I think students should come on board. Um, it's such a great coalition and I'm very, very excited for the future. Well, I was really happy to hear you say donors should do their due diligence because there are a lot of organizations out there and, um, it only takes a few minutes to research, go online and find out those organizations such as T4T that are actually carrying through their mission and having uh, positive effects on the ground in conservation. So I think we're about out of time today. Any last words about, uh, what's going on? Yeah, um, like I said, uh, if you'd love to interact with us, I think policy is also a very uh, easy thing for uh, the community to get involved with. Uh, um, So if you're looking for political action, we also have a variety of resources on our website, too, uh, to address Congress, to make a change, and and to really make a difference in the survival of our map. That's a really important point, as uh, the Endangered Species Act is up before Congress and possibly turning uh, control over to individual states. And as U.S. Fish and Wildlife Services is mandated with caring for those species under the Endangered Species Act, we do need advocacy and students and youth, as you've both said, are a critical part in changing and reorienting and reforming how we live with wildlife. So I think we're out of time today. I'd like to thank you both so much for being here and um, I look forward to hearing more and we'll stay tuned to t4tcoalition.org I strongly urge our listeners to check it out it's a great organization if you're a student get involved and get your uh, fellow students involved so that's it for today I want to thank you Sean and thank you Chelsea thank you so much 
Thank you for having us. It's been a pleasure, and it's great to hear your excitement. It's always fun to hear somebody who has done something with wildlife for the very first time. So as you go out into our wild world, think about what you can do to support wildlife conservation and to think about wildness and whether we want to live with this and have it around as our future. So thank you very much. This is Our Wild World and Ellie Weiss. Thank you again for joining us this week. Be sure to tune in next Monday at 11 a.m. Eastern Time, 8 a.m. Pacific Time for another edition of Our Wild World with your host, Ellie Weiss, on the Voice America Variety Channel. Think about living with wildlife during the coming week and what you can do right now. Thanks again for listening to the preceding program brought to you on the Voice America Variety Channel. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericavariety.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the preceding program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management.